Corinne. Hello, Sabrina. Hello, my ghostly pal. How do you do on this fine Sunday oh, morning? I'm snoozy. And I decided to record from in my bed. Me too. We're You're bed such buddies. Good bed buddies. <laughs> I'm over the winter in Boston. I feel like it is affecting my mental health and the mental health of my plants. I think my plants are not as happy. Sad plants. Sad. It's a sad day. So both myself and my plants are all huddling by the window. Well, I know today. it can cheer you up. Ghost, Ghost stories because this is an encounters episode. Ghost stories. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. And I'm Sabrina. And we didn't even get to do our intro. So I need to whisper two girls, one ghost. Before we kick off with ghost stories, I just want to say we got some mail. <gasps> we got mail? Tell me. We got mail. I need to. I know. love getting mail. Mail, snail mail is, I feel like, a lost art. I agree. You know? Like snail mail these days, I feel like you get either a wedding invitation or you get like a package from your mom or like something you left at home <laughs> over the holidays, but you don't just ever get like a nice letter. Yeah. So we have a, this is a little delayed on my part from showing it because uh-huh. I meant to show it a few weeks ago. Merry Christmas. But we have a couple Christmas cards. Oh. So it says, wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And it is from Jason. He said, hope you both have a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. Keep up the good work. Stay spooky and see you on the other side. An avid listener, Jason. So sweet. So simple. Love it. Snail mail. Love it. And then this one, you're going to love this one. It says, not a creature was stirring. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from Carrie, Pumpkin, Riley, and Dipper. And it's photos of her cats. Oh, My gosh, I'm obsessed. Not a creature was stirring. And then she wrote a lovely note on the inside and signed it. Carrie and the cats. How sweet. Ah, male. Male. Also, I just realized because you read Christmas cards that I'm pretty sure this is like our Valentine's Day episode. (gasps) You're right. Sabrina. Is it? It's going to be our, yeah, it's our half anniversary. Oh my gosh. Right? It is. It's our half anniversary on the 14th. The creepiest, loveliest Valentine's Day you could ever ask for. (laughs) Ghost stories for everyone. How many years have we been doing this? Two and a half. Wow. I think. We started in 17, I think. That's weird. It's a long time. That's wild. Yeah. August 14th of 2017 was the first episode of Two Girls, One Ghost. Wow. Well, happy Valentine's Day, Sabrina. To you too, Corinne. Galentines. Valentine's. Oh my God. The picture you posted was so funny on her Instagram. Oh, did you? (laughs) Sabrina's referencing the photo that I posted of me, Nick, and Sabrina saying, we're getting married (laughs) and insinuating that it was just me and Sabrina getting married. And then I also posted the same day we have matching Naomi rings. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, if we have matching rings, then who's really getting married? And I think Nick was like, all right, this has been taken a a little too far. Because he commented and he was like, has this been taken too far? Asking for a friend. Asking for myself. (laughs) The answer is no. Never, Nick. Never. Get out of here. Well, not too far. Just far enough away where you let us have fun with those types of jokes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Should we get started with our Valentine's Day anniversary podcast episode about encounters? 
Yeah, I wish I had thought about this before because I would have picked more targeted emails, but I have a good mixture at least this week. So I think we're touching on a lot of different subjects. And also like, yeah, love is love and it's great, but also like you don't want to see romance. Right. We're here for the love of ghost stories. Exactly. This is Valentine's Day for ghosts. All right. I think you're first. Okay. Well, this is kind of a Valentine's-y-ish. Not really. The subject line is... Give the biceps a chance at jumping <laughs> liquor bottles. So obviously she's talking about Zach Bagans, who oh. I do, I am obsessed with. Of course. This is from Cassidy. She says, hi, Sabrina. Hi, Corinne. So I'm a recent listener who just can't get enough. I work in production, so we listen to podcasts all day. One day, a friend of mine came up to me and said, Cassidy, you need to listen to Two Girls, One Ghost. Oh my gosh. It's right up your alley, and I know you'll love it. And she was right. I'm working from episode one, and I'm currently on episode 44. I force myself only to listen at work and sometimes on my commute, too. I love, love, love your podcast and feel like we are kindred spirits and would be good friends. Like many before me have said and many after me will say, you make us feel safe and happy to share our stories with you and all of those who listen. That's so sweet. Tears. (laughs) I have many, many, many paranormal encounters, so many that I think I need to type up two separate emails to organize the scary and sweet. Everything from dream visits, hellhounds, child spirits, ghost hunting, shadow people, animal spirits, etc. Can you tell I'm a bit sensitive? (laughs) I can't hold myself back from emailing, but there is one thing that I beg you both. Give the biceps a chance. Yep, this is going exactly where you think. Zach Biggins. (laughs) (laughs) i've been watching ghost adventures and then she writes this whole paragraph on basically outlining like the progress that ghost adventures has taken (laughs) from the time that they used to be very much like take this act hit me and like taunting these spirits to moving (laughs) into much more of like a sensitive really beautiful experience where they're trying to debunk but they're also being super respectful of the spirits she's just yeah she really i couldn't already love zach more than i do but she made me want to try (laughs) amazing all right so now on to her stories When I was around 10, my dad worked in an old restaurant in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Hey. Hey. The restaurant was converted from smaller buildings that were once a courthouse, a jail, church, and inn in their respective times, starting in the late 1700s. A visitor to this area was actually John Stiper, who had helped row George Washington across the Delaware months before his visit. And... It's depicted in the Lutz painting. Tried to look this up, but can't figure out exactly which man is supposed to be Stiper. Anyway, this (laughs) means activity as fuck. I like that. Okay, so now on to my spooky stories. There was a bartender there who had just made a drink and put all of the liquor bottles back in the speed rack, which is a small rack that has walls on each side just behind the bar that typically holds the mid-grade option of each liquor for quick access. And it jumped up. The bottle jumped up about four inches and forward over the wall of the rack and onto the floor about two feet below. Landing steady and not breaking, just a clunk of metal on stone. There was also a story in the ladies' room that if you were alone in a stall, you'd hear the restroom door open and close Heels come over to the sink or to the stall door and stop. Sometimes the faucet would turn on and you wouldn't realize that no one was there until you came out of the stall and so saw no one present, but also didn't hear anyone leave. I thought this lady in Red's story was supposed to be a myth, 
but it happened to me. It was said that women would see a flash of red in the stall crack when they heard the heels, but I didn't see red. I just heard her come and not leave. I didn't experience any temperature changes or anything, but the slow realization that the sound came in and wasn't in the other stall and didn't go back out (laughs) had me running out of there, toilet paper on my shoe or not. (laughs) (laughs) There's still to this day the original well with plexiglass covering it in the dining slash lounge area of the restaurant. When I was younger, I would always take my things over there and play, and I would always end up staring down into the well, picturing a girl way down in the water at the bottom, sometimes just her hands coming out of the water, other times just her standing and staring up at me. I don't think I was actually saying it, but I was really young. Maybe I was making up these ideas myself. But this is the craziest thing that happened. Because my dad was the manager and my parents were divorced, it wasn't uncommon for me to go to work with him. One night in particular, I brought a sleeping bag as my dad had to close that night. The downstairs operated as a restaurant, but the upstairs also functioned as part of an inn. So I set up camp in a little closet which felt warmer than the other rooms, and it had its own door, so I felt safe. There were shelves lining the walls and boxes of random items like salt and pepper shakers, candle holders, etc. <laughs> from the restaurant, and then leftover blankets and linens from the inn part. My dad would come in once an hour to check in on me while I played Game Boy. Later in the night, I snuggled in my sleeping bag because it got cold when a girl named Shayna came in to check on me. I was happy to see her because she was the assistant manager and she was good friends with my dad and she was always so nice to me. She said she was just checking in on me because my dad was busy and asked if I was okay. I said I was cold and she grabbed me a blanket off of the top shelf and laid it over me. It was instantly much warmer and I felt happy getting to see her. She smiled and said to let her know if I need anything else and I said okay and then she went back downstairs. My dad was starting to close up and he came up and got me from the upstairs and asked if I was okay because I had a blanket. I said yes I just got cold and he asked me Well, how did you get the blanket off the shelf? And I could sense the about to be corrected in his voice when he assumed that I climbed up the shelves. So I happily responded, Shayna got it down for me. He stared at me. Who? (laughs) Shayna. He then got mad and said, Cass, I know you're not telling the truth. Shayna did not work tonight. I wasn't a lying kid. So I got upset and scared and begged him to believe me. And he finally did. He asked a million times if I was sure it was her, and I was. I knew her well, including her voice, her mannerisms. Oh my gosh. All which I experienced in my small interaction with her. It was her. And to this day, I'm still sure that that's who I saw. Now, if it were her in the flesh, I guess I don't know that. But my dad asked all of the employees if they had come to help me, and most didn't even know where I had ended up or that I was even still there. (laughs) He contacted Shayna to make sure that she didn't stop by. She claimed to be somewhere else that night, and he believed her. Why would she come in just to check on a kid that she didn't even know was in the restaurant, let alone upstairs in a closet of all places, undetected by all other employees and customers? I never felt scared, like a doppelganger situation makes me think of now and would scare me. But I'm still unsure of who gave me this blanket. Yeah. One sweet story that I'll include is this. My dad said that while alone in the office, he would often experience, ready, Sabrina? A ghost cat. (gasps) Yay! I love how she wrote, ready, Sabrina? (laughs) Oh, I thought that was you. No. 
That's Cass. <laughs> a cat-sized shadow would be seen moving around quickly, low on the floor, and even rubbing against legs occasionally. He would skitter around and knock papers off the desks and pens to the ground. It got so frequent that my dad actually stopped reacting to the noises and would talk to the cat when he heard a bump. Oh. I so desperately wanted to see the cat, but most nights my dad would say something like, we have to go, this is his home, and he's letting us stay. If we're here too long, he'll start throwing pens and papers off the desks. <laughs> Let him have some peace and quiet, and maybe he'll come visit you next time you're here. I never saw him, but it made me happy to know that he was there keeping my dad on his toes in the wee hours of the morning. I'll have to listen to the new episodes and go back and forth to see if you guys read this on the podcast. Well, surprise, Cassidy, we are reading it now. We did. I have many more other incidents that I'll send over as well. They get way, way scarier. Oh, my gosh. And I haven't written them yet because I have to be in the right mindset, a.k.a. broad daylight. <laughs> see you on the other side, Cassidy. Okay, I'm really glad the story didn't go the way that my mind started going when we realized her dad's coworker wasn't actually there because my mind was going that like she wasn't actually there because something happened. <gasps> oh, oh my gosh. But she didn't. She's alive. So I don't, that's so strange. Either she astral projected or there's like a ghost, a friendly ghost that maybe appeared as this woman because she knew that Cassidy knew her and would be comfortable around her. Wouldn't be spooked. Yeah. I know. That's Those are the same two thoughts that I had when I first read this. Because at first I was like, oh, she must have been astral projecting. I wonder if I wonder if this woman was at home, like maybe napping or something, and she had this weird dream of going to the restaurant and putting a blanket over the kid. Yeah. But Cassidy's dad called her, and she was like, no. Shana, she, Shana was like, no, I've never – I didn't go to the restaurant tonight. Like right. she was, she I was, was doing away. something else. She, yeah, yeah. She was actively doing something else. No, on my day off, did I come to the restaurant to put a blanket on your sleeping daughter in a closet? I'm gonna say no. <laughs> gonna say no. And this job, I do have to say, is getting a little weirder. <laughs> <laughs> I need a promotion. Oh gosh, I think you're right, especially because this building. I mean. As we know, spirits can be everywhere. My parents built our house 20 years ago. Right. And it's plenty active without having much happening on that land prior to it being built. But like this particular building had been so many different things and then was currently acting as a couple different things itself. So I can only imagine that there were plenty of spirits going through. I wonder, do you think maybe it was the woman in red who creeped around the bathroom oh. and just been like oh well let me let me imitate shana yeah because the the bathroom ghost doesn't seem bad it just is a ghost that comes into the bathroom maybe she's always going into the bathroom to check on everyone maybe she's just a spirit that likes to check on people and make sure everyone's okay yeah bathroom. and the bathroom is often the place people go when they're upset and they just want to be alone away from people so perhaps she's always like well let me just make sure they've been in there for a little longer yeah. than maybe i would anticipate so let me check and make sure they're okay or it's just residual energy and she just keeps going in to the bathroom and means no harm Ooh, so wild okay i have one and it wouldn't be our anniversary without me picking some scary stories this week <laughs> this is from doran and she says a ghost tried to drown me hey ladies and spooky apparitions i love y'all and listen to you every night while falling asleep Dorian, you're crazy. <laughs> Before we get to the main story, I'd love to tell you about my ghost at home. It walks around a lot. It opens doors, turns on radios, and shows up in pictures. 
It isn't really malevolent, but when I was in a very dark spot of my life, I had sleep paralysis at least once every night. And it would start showing up in pictures when my depression would get bad. Anyway, time to get to the main story. I work at a zoo, and in our zoo, our aquarium is supposedly haunted by a ghost or just a woman and two children. People aren't really sure. One room will cause you to feel a lot of pressure on your chest if you stay there alone, and workers have had to come in in the middle of the night because things will fall off the shelves. Many night security guards have quit or refused to work in that area because of what they see at night. When cleaning windows, housekeeping staff will say that right after they clean the window when no one is there, there will be children's fingerprints on the glass. Ew! Yeah, but it's a zoo, so it's sweet. Yeah, I guess, but... <laughs> little fingerprints little children i just picture like someone cleaning and then the fingerprints appear right away so it's like the little kids are face to face with you through the glass in the water swimming one woman i talked to yeah, ghost kids that's the best spot to go aquarium i respect that uh-huh. I, I appreciate it one woman i talked to said that she heard voices when she was the only one there well my experience was a little more than this i've never even heard of anything like it Anyway, I was watching a pool fill up and I was getting very bored. It was almost hypnotizing. And I'm not really sure what happened, but I started to see myself being pushed into the pool. I didn't really hear a splash. I was no longer standing on the side of the pool, but was now inside the pool. And I was fighting to stay above the water, but a woman in a white dress with dark hair was pushing me down. I was gasping for air. I could feel the water filling my lungs. I grasped at her arm, trying to get her off of me, but she was too strong. When I touched her arm, it was cold, and I could feel her bones. I was losing energy. I didn't know if I could keep fighting. I started feeling lightheaded, and my attempts to get her off were getting weaker. I was just swinging my arms at her, barely hitting her, and my head would come above the water, and the world was turning black. I knew there wasn't any fight left in me, and suddenly another person walked in. I was back on the side of the pool. I wasn't wet. I was exactly where I was before, and I was just coughing and having trouble catching my breath. I could still feel my lungs burning. I still struggled to catch my breath, and yet I hadn't almost drowned. My guess is that somehow I actual projected or something. I'm not sure. I didn't look over at the side of the pool, so I have no idea if it was still there. The ghost didn't seem very negative, so I'm wondering if... What? Negative? Duran, the ghost tried tried to to drown you. you. So I'm wondering if because of the dark place I was in mentally, I was calling a lot of darkness while on the astral plane. She could have wanted me to get out of there before something dark happened, but I still have no idea what would have happened to me if that guy hadn't walked in or had walked in a second later than he did. Please send me your theories because I have no idea what happened to me. Thanks for reading. See you on the other side. Duran. Okay, I have a theory. What's your theory? If the theory is that there's a a woman and two children, did this woman kill her two kids and it's like she drowned them? Uh, La Llorona. Yes, yeah, similar to that. And and this entity was either sharing the experience with Duran or the oh. children were trying to, you know, like when you get flashes of a feeling or an image or something happen- that happened that isn't your experience, but it's something sharing it with you. That's, yeah, that's so interesting. Like, I wonder, too, if kind of like what you were saying, if maybe it wasn't really the woman at all, but perhaps it was the little kids being like, this is what happened to us. Right. Share who you're afraid of. It's like when little kids in school will. I told you this, that my mom got like called by the school one time (laughs) because 
my brother, you were supposed to like draw your biggest fear. And my brother, instead of drawing like a snake or whatever, drew a man with a knife coming up a ladder to his childhood bedroom. That's really freaking scary. <laughs> it's so scary. And like, yes, my mom made us a little paranoid about strangers. <laughs> so, so stranger danger. But I wonder if it's kind of like that. It's like the kids version of drawing what they're scared of, like showing their mom. Right. Showing being drowned. The way she described it is that she was sitting there and kind of being hypnotized by the water being filled. And not that she was physically pushed into the water, but that she started to feel and see the image of herself being pushed into it. Right. Yeah. It's almost like I wonder if that feeling of being drawn into the water is less of being in a trance and more of just showing the feeling of perhaps anticipated safety, you know, like feeling like you're, oh, it's okay. You're just going into the water. There's nothing scary about that. And then surprise, this ghost <laughs> is trying to drown you. Surprise. That is definitely a negative ghost. Whatever the entities that's drowning someone. Yeah. Gonna, gonna go ahead and say negative. Negative. <laughs> I picture like, you know, on Ellen DeGeneres on her show when she has like the done that or haven't done that the sort of like never have i ever mm -hmm. i have i have not mm -hmm. i just picture us having panels and just like flipping <laughs> like negative <laughs> <laughs> we'll never do we'll never do little buttons that like go that should be we should get a television show where it's just a, a game show i don't know what we would do i just want to press a button i can i can make that happen for you without a game show if you want me to <laughs> okay thanks <laughs> <laughs> Buttons, buttons everywhere. <laughs> Alrighty. This is an email from our listener, Allie. It's titled New England Nightmares. So, of course, I clicked on oh. it. Because I live in New England. <laughs> I do. If you do didn't you? know, if I haven't mentioned it in every <laughs> single episode. It's been a while, so I'm glad you reminded us. Uh, it was a lot in the beginning because I just moved from California and I was <laughs> like, I live here. Everyone should know this now. Establish who you are. Yes. I'm a New England biatch now uh, okay okay hi ladies just wanted to start by saying thank you so much for being you my spotify recommended you about a few months ago and the second you guys started talking about portsmouth new hampshire i knew i was in the right place i grew up in <laughs> meredith new hampshire myself meredith i was born okay Allie. i was born in guilford the neighboring town to meredith so i'm basically Aww. from your hometown <laughs> 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 lived there for well okay quick story about the house in guilford i know i mentioned this in the very beginning when i first started the podcast but up until the age of three i lived with my parents well obviously <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there at some point <laughs> but, but the the house in guilford new hampshire that me and my parents lived in was haunted by the spirit of a man who would whistle and he'd open and close the front door and he'd flush the toilet and he'd turn the lights on and off and get in like light battles with my dad. So anyway, super spooky, super haunted. Meredith is also on Lake Winnipesaukee. So beautiful. Love lakes. So pretty. Okay. But without further ado, I've had strange paranormal happenings since I can remember. And I really wanted to share a few of the stories with you. So here goes. I was living in a small town in Maine right along the border of New Hampshire. I was in my senior year of high school, and my friends and I were having a slumber party. I was the only friend that had a car at the time, so I was the one that picked everyone up to take them to our friend's house. I had picked up three of my friends, and our last friend lived in a town called 
called Perrinsfield. Perrinsfield is a super old rural town that looked like it was straight out of Children of the Corn. Nice. There was a ton of ghost stories and abandoned houses and churches surrounding the town. Me being the weirdo I am, I loved driving around all of the back roads and scaring myself with my friends. So I was very familiar with navigating the roads and had never had any issues with getting lost. So when I picked up my last friend and started heading back to the house, everyone was joking and laughing around and singing songs while I focused on the road. There was this one corner with a graveyard that had a unique fence that always creeped me out, and that was always a landmark for me to remember that I had to take a right and the road would go straight back into town. So I passed the graveyard, I took a right, and I continued straight, expecting to turn into town in about five minutes. However, instead of ending up back in town, I realized I was back at the corner with the graveyard, like in a video game where you run to the end of the map to start at the beginning again. I said to everyone, guys, weren't we just here? I know I was here before. And everyone just brushed it off and they're like, oh, you probably just took a wrong turn and ended up back here on accident. But I knew for a fact, however, there was absolutely no way for me to have taken a wrong turn that would bring me back here without it taking me at least 20 plus minutes out of my way. It was impossible and it made no sense whatsoever. And I was so incredibly shaken up that everybody had just brushed it off and went back to talking and having fun. (laughs) So not wanting to ruin the fun for everyone and make a big deal, I tried to calm myself and I took the turn at the graveyard again. And after five minutes... We ended up back in town like we should have originally. I was so freaked out, and I don't know if there were, like, aliens or some weird glitch in the Matrix, but it has never happened again. A few years later, I was again in a small town in Maine. There's definitely a reason Stephen King lives there, y'all. Driving home with a close friend after getting pizza. It was one of those summer nights where the moonlight really shines, making everything sort of glow. We were driving along the road that my friend lived on, which was poorly paved and had more potholes than stars in the sky. So, needless to say, you kind of have to drive slow to avoid ruining your car. Before making it back to the road, there was a whole lot of forest and four-wheeling trails rather than houses. And there's a particular lot that has large boulders all lined up to keep people from driving onto the property. As we drove past this, I happened to look over to the rocks, and as I flicked on the high beams, to my immediate horror, I saw what I can only describe as a tall, lanky, sickly, pale, humanoid creature. It was crouched (gasps) down next to the boulder, almost trying to stay hidden and blend in. Instantly, all of my hair stood up on end, and I had chills like I'd never felt before. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the rake But if you Google pictures of it, this thing looked incredibly similar. This one had to be like seven feet tall standing up. I was absolutely terrified. And I look at my friend who had been telling me a story and she appeared to not see it at all. It was at this point that I was so scared that I felt like if I had said anything about it out loud, it would make it real. And I didn't want it to be real. No. All I could picture was this thing freaking (laughs) chasing us up and down the road on all fours. I didn't tell her for years. When she finally moved out to a different house in the center of town, I prompted her by asking, did you ever see anything creepy when you lived on Notch Road? And she replied, I think I saw something when I was four-wheeling once on a trail. But I guess it just could have been a shadow or a rock. A rock 
I say, being so scared that she could have potentially seen the same thing, and she continued to describe exactly what I had seen that night. And I shared my story with her too, both of us essentially pooping our pants, and we actually went back to where I had seen it just to see if we could make sense or if we could debunk it, but with no luck. I haven't been back there since, really would rather not run into that thing again. And while I have many more stories to tell you about with my haunted childhood, I'll leave it at this for now. Thank you so much for reading this, and please feel free to share if you'd like. Lots of love, and see you on the other side. Allie. I love the things that we do in, to trick our minds into not believing things. Yeah, just like, oh, no, no, this is fine. It's a rock. This it was is a rock. fine. Everything's fine. But, like, what the fuck is that thing? Crouching down. I'm literally Googling the rake. The rake. You've seen it before. Have you? Did you Google it? Oh, yeah. It's terrifying. Oh, I'm scared. It's a weird humanoid, but it's like very featureless. Oh, F this. This is so scary. It, and it totally reminds me of something that would just run really fast, you know? Ew. It reminds me of, oh my God, what am I trying to think of? <gasps> There's some scary movie. It Follows, the one that you talk about all the time? <laughs> no. No, no, no. There's some scary. Oh, was it? Is it the Blair Witch? I don't remember. There's some scary movie, though, where all these people are trying to escape something. And the very last scene, I believe, is someone going up into like the attic and they have a camera. So it's it's like the nighttime vision Mm -hmm. is on and you're basically watching through the camera and a creature like a like a possessed man or an infected man who had once lived in the house that this person's now crawling up into the attic of just is in the corner and suddenly turns and then just like runs at the person and then it it's, ends yeah it's from Blair Witch Project and it's is it Blair Witch Project? It's the basement in like the woods oh it's fuck that scene fucked me up yeah <laughs> this is what that person looked like yeah cause it, the lighting of it made it look like that yeah that is so creepy. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to be Googling all about the rake now. But that's really scary. And honestly, if a creature were ever to just exist, it probably would exist very well in Maine because it is the majority of that state is mm-hmm. incredibly rural. Yep. Good place to haunt. Really good place to haunt. It makes me so... Uh, this makes me want to... So there's a show that I like watching and it's all about the um, like fish and game and wildlife patrol in New Hampshire. And they sometimes like venture over into Maine, sometimes like border of Vermont. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those workers must have the craziest stories because they're always like out in the woods and tending to like they'll get calls on weird creatures and injured creatures and they probably see some wild things. Yeah, Definitely. And it's like what caused them to drive past that place and end up back at it. I almost wonder if like something made her think that she was at that place the first time to make her turn down the wrong road or something. Or I wonder if it was some sort of glitch. Like I'm imagining a portal opening up in that field like or in that town to let this weird creature in and out as it pleases. And when it opens, maybe there's some weird influence on the time and so there was some sort of glitch well i don't like this because now you're connecting the two you never know all right what do you have to read for us okay this is from chelsea and it's uh, her subject line is raggedy ann shadow people ouija boards and hearing voices hello to sabrina corinne Leia, and the ghost i found your podcast while listening to ghost story guys and i must admit you've all sent me down a hole of sorts Thank you for keeping me company during the quiet moments in my day and also giving me a good scare here and there. 
I try my best not to think about skinwalkers while my back is turned to the bathroom window late at night. Love the rapport you ladies have. Please keep doing what you do best. Today is a day off for me and I thought I should finally sit down and write while in the comfort of my boyfriend's house and not my own. It feels a little less spooky writing in his quiet place. I like to think his departed dad keeps us all feeling cozy and safe. I feel as though for me, I've always had the pleasure of a free running imagination and an interest in all things spooky. Thanks to my parents, I believe I'm somewhat predisposed to having certain experiences. As much as she wouldn't like to admit it, my diehard skeptical mom has had her fair share of visits from her guardian angel, her father, as well as my dad, who loves to talk about how he grew up in an extremely haunted house. As a result, my life has been smattered with the good, the bad, and the downright traumatizing. One of my earlier experiences has to do with the house my dad spent most of his teenage years in. When he was 15, my dad decided to take his leave of his parents' home and move in with his cousins in a small beach town called Port Dover. Many strange things took place in the house, from religious needlepoint pictures swinging to seeing your breath in your bedroom at night, voices carrying with nobody else home, human apparitions, objects moved, the sounds of change dropping everywhere, ghostly parties downstairs in the late evening. You name it, the house probably did it. Despite the home being an absolute creep show, my dad cherished his years growing up there. Even if one of his pastimes had become taking the dog in the car and driving around until other people got home. (laughs) And he took some keepsakes from the house when all of his older relatives had passed. Furniture and knickknacks and such. One of the things that he collected was an old Raggedy Ann doll. No, leave them be. Folks, this doll used to sit on the top shelf of my closet when I was a child, and I can't tell you how much I despised it. Dolls freak me out. Anyway, this particular doll brought with it recurring nightmares. What a delight. The dreams associated with this doll always felt so lucid and so completely real. I would drift off to sleep in my bed and snap awake to abruptly notice that the doll had gone from its place on the shelf. Why did I leave my closet door open? No freaking idea. In the dreams, I was always unable to move, feeling stuck with my arms by my sides, but also filled with dread. Sleep paralysis. The lack of noise always had a pressure in my head and ears. And suddenly, a man would rise up out of the floor, dressed as the doll. He was always smiling, dirty, and he leaned closer to whisper nonsense in my face. Gross, right? I had no idea what his deal was, and I would just try to squeeze my eyes shut if I was able to force myself awake. I told my parents about the dreams, which continued until they finally relented and took the doll out of my room. The dreams then stopped, and I have to wonder if my experiences throughout life have to do with this home and the things he'd taken from it, or the antiques my parents enjoy collecting, or if possibly one of us or more is just a magnet for these things. Continuing on with the theme of all that is old... After my childhood home, my parents decided to rent a heritage home in our town on the outskirts of Toronto. Yikes. This house had one closet upstairs. I thought she was just saying yikes is in like outskirts of Toronto. Yikes. <laughs> maybe. It's <laughs> like, what's wrong with that? That sounds nice. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe the yikes comes from what she's about to tell us. Yeah. The house had one closet upstairs in my bedroom. A big, beautiful upstairs bathroom, a spacious kitchen with a door to the backyard, a split living room, dining room, and an unfinished basement. One night, 
My parents had some of their close friends over for dinner and drinks. Their girls and I playing GameCube and hide and seek in the dark upstairs. Someone decided it would be a brilliant idea to bust out the good old Ouija board as an after-dinner activity. Why? Just why? While cracking jokes and treating it as a hokey game, someone asked for a sign from any of the ghosts lurking in the dark corners of our home, and our backyard door promptly opened and slammed shut, setting off our alarm. Oh, goody. Also, one of the selling features in our home, obviously not mentioned upon moving in, were the bones in my bedroom closet. One summer, before a family vacation, my dad went to put a few things away in my closet, and his foot went through a section of the old hardwood. Lo and behold, he was oddly surprised to find a big pile of dirt under the floorboards. After returning from our trip, he contacted our landlord, who upon further inspection, found bones in the dirt. Bones. Bones. The bones. What kind of bones? The bones were taken to someone who determined to find them to be of a human rib cage. Oh. So it turns out, after all my aversion to having my closet curtains open at night and my cat having a camp out spot in front of the space wasn't just the working imagination of a kid who enjoys scary movies and reading Harry Potter. They obviously did the smart thing and didn't make me aware of their buried treasure until after we had moved. We did have some good experiences in that home, though. I distinctly remember one night years ago when my mom and I were having a good cry about missing her brother-in-law, my uncle Keith, who had passed away of a not-so-well-known disease when I was young called hemochromatosis or iron overload. Hemochromatosis. Thank you. I'm just going to let you say it. Towards the end of his life, I remember him always wearing Vicks VapoRub. And as we were thinking about him and hugging one another, it was suddenly all we could smell. We scoured the house and couldn't find any whatsoever, but the smell was everywhere on the top floor. I like to think it was Uncle Keith checking in on us and reminding us not to be sad. Finally, to our most recent townhouse. We have lived here for now 12 years, and I'm currently 26 years old. I spent the majority of my angsty teen years here, which most likely contributed to the activity in the space. This is the house where I've had my few experiences with shadow people. For a little more than half of high school, it felt as though I was at war with my parents. They hated my boyfriend, they didn't understand me, and they couldn't handle that their only child was dating someone who was so manipulative. He isolated me from my friends and family. And frankly, looking back, I don't understand it myself, but those were dark times. And we were, we were all filled with anger, confusion, and resentment. And resentment. The house was strange upon moving in. The people who owned it before us had carved symbols on the doors and closets, painted a lot of rooms extremely bright colors, and even for the open house made no show of hiding the nook built out of the furniture space with a mattress on the floor and a lock outside the room. Sounds homey, right? We spent a lot of time and effort making the place it is today, but not all right away. I had ugly wooden sliding doors in my bedroom until I made my dad take them off. One day, I was riding the bus with said hated boyfriend when I pointed at a nearby graveyard. That was apparently a big no-no. His family was very superstitious, and he said I had just done a very disrespectful thing. I wrote it off as him being silly and thought nothing of it. But that night, I fell asleep with my TV on, and at about 1 a.m., I was startled awake by the sound of my closet doors violently shaking around 3 a.m. in the morning. My cat that liked to sleep with me shot off my bed with a hiss and left me to fumble to turn on my bedside lamp. Thanks, Ruby. 
I had pressed as closely as I could to my headboard and profusely apologized in my head while I turned on my lamp and the shaking abruptly stopped. The doors came off soon after and were replaced by some moderately less threatening curtains. During this tumultuous time in our lives, I had the pleasure of hearing an angry voice accompanied by my two sightings of quote-unquote people in our home. Our townhouse is at the back of the little maze-like complex, facing the path that leads to the drive-in entrance. One night I was coming home in the dark, having just got off the bus, and I was making my way to the front door. My bedroom faces the front of the house, and from the pathway, there is a clear view of my bedroom. As I trudged up the lane, I saw a freaking shadow figure standing in front of my window. It was tall and large, with arms held at its sides and no discernible features, and it was just standing there, staring at me. No thank you. I stood outside and paced on the phone with a friend until I looked up and it was gone. No good sleep to be had that night. On another occasion, I had come home late at night and quietly made it to my bed, leaving the door cracked open for Ruby, when I heard someone hiss, Get out! I flipped over quickly to face the door with my stomach in my throat. Every time I looked quickly into the hall, I thought I saw figures crawling up the stairs into the hall landing. I was paralyzed with fear. And in the morning, after finally finding sleep, I looked in the hall and noticed that there were scratches on the walls. I couldn't tell you if they were there before that night. In the house, I have also hated the feeling of my parents' bedroom, and I shut the door whenever I can, and try not to stay in there for too long. Recently, I had a dream of a ghostly, faceless-looking girl sitting in my mom's reading chair every time I looked into the dimly lit room. Gross. It's a no-go zone for me. My dad has also come downstairs in the early morning to the TV cabinet being open and the TV being left on. Over the years of running up the stairs with my torso twisted to survey all angles and locking the door when I shower, I've mostly gotten used to the feelings I get in the home. I think a lot of the activity in the house calmed down as we mended our hearts and became closer again. I still get the once-in-a-while sensation of movement at the bottom of my bed, which seems to happen when I'm a little sleep-deprived or feeling stressed. I sometimes wonder if it's the feeling of Ruby jumping on my bed to sleep on her never-moved comfy blanket, or if it's a departed family member teasing me or checking in on me to make sure I'm okay. Once I had come home to find a little kinder egg dinosaur assembled and sitting on my makeup desk. Although I was the one to eat the chocolate, to this day, no one has owned up to building the little toy. After making your eyes bleed, having maybe possibly read this entire saga of me in my blabber, I'll leave you guys with one last blurb <laughs> about me and everyone else's ghosts. Years ago, after my high school dating disaster, I was seeing a nice guy I met through a friend for about three years. His dad was always asking asking him to go visit his great-grandmother on weekends when he wasn't working. And after she passed, I believe he felt extremely guilty for not doing so very often, as when we were young, we tend to believe our relatives are going to live forever. We attended her funeral, and I stood over that evening. My boyfriend had just dragged himself into the shower, and everyone else in the house had gone to bed. We were nerdy night owls, and I was reading while trying not to doze off. And as a brief aside, I had never met his Nona, and I would recognize everyone else's voice in the house. With my back to the hall, I had my eyes closed and was in between the state of waking and sleeping when I heard a gruff older woman's voice say, Hey! I jumped about a mile high, and when I got over the shock of being rudely awakened, I shot into the bathroom and sat on the floor while he finished showering. My feeling is that she didn't want him to be sad and that she wanted him to know that 
he should let go of feeling guilty. Jumping back to most recently, I believe my grandpa and my current boyfriend's dad like to play with the lights. My grandpa's picture is on one of my many bookshelves in my room, and when we renovated the upstairs, I had brand new pot lights put into my bedroom. After his passing, the light above his photo suddenly tends to flicker whether I'm worrying about something, crying, or thinking of him, or my grandma's calling. And I find the lights in my boyfriend's kitchen also flicker when we're all congregated in there laughing, cooking, and chatting, or people are embracing. In contrast to my house, I can also comfortably walk around in his in the dark. Luxury. Thank you for being a place where I can listen, learn, relax, and enjoy. Your hard work is a major source of enjoyment for so many of us. See you on the other side. Your long-winded, wordy listener, Chelsea. <laughs> long-winded, wordy listener. What a great sign-off. It's hilarious. <laughs> but dang, okay, there's some really spooky experiences in here. Yeah, she has a whole collection of them. People talking, people appearing, people... They will never get over the idea of the raggedy doll and the man appearing from the foot of her bed dressed as the raggedy doll. It's so creepy. Yeah, that is fucked up <laughs> i like how she started with that too well, you gotta start with the scariest like no that's <laughs> end with the sweeter the worst <laughs> i do wonder the comment that she made about it being sort of like a rougher time for everyone in her family not really understanding why she would be with certain people that didn't treat her well and it just so i feel like it's almost like catch 22 type of situation where if you're in a low spot darkness will find you but then also the darkness might find you anyway and bring you into the low spot so it's hard to figure out this sort of causation and in, in that yeah in experience whatever like it is that. the dark things need to go away i'm very glad that she can walk around in the dark in this new place gtfo dark spirits yeah that's that's when you know that the energy actually feels great because I don't like walking in the dark anywhere. And when you can walk around in your, like, undies in the dark, even better. That's like pure light bliss. That's like truly exceptionally comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> you're basically That's in the full sunlight vibes you're getting. on the beaches of Hawaii at that point. It really is. That's the type of space that we want to live in permanently. What you got? This is from our listener, Bridget, and it's titled Strange Encounters with a Psychic. Ooh. Hey, girls. My name is Bridget, and I live in Vail, Colorado. Just wanted to say that I love, love, love your podcast, and it brings me comfort when I'm anxious. I love the supernatural, and I love hearing stories, so your podcast is perfect for me. <laughs> I've been meaning to write you guys about some of my spooky stories and encounters. Maybe my next email will be a story that I'm confident enough to share. I have one story to tell that isn't particularly scary, just strange, so if you want me to share. But for now, I have one story to tell that isn't particularly scary, it's just strange. About 16 years ago, when I was 10 years old, in 2003, my mom and my whole neighborhood on the block would have these reoccurring parties together, like a block party. And one of those weekends, my mom had a big party at our house on our patio and on our deck. And I remember being in our backyard in the swimming pool with all of my neighborhood friends, just being stupid and sposhing <laughs> around with my friends and sister, when all of a sudden, I heard this older, old woman screaming at my mom and oh my pointing gosh. at my house, yelling, I see fire. I see fire. Oh my gosh. I see fire in your house. My mom, who was probably a little tips drunk, started laughing at her and said, what? Like right now? And the woman said, no, 
but it's her fault. Oh my and gosh. pointed at my older sister who was hanging with her friends in the front yard away from everyone, including me. My mom, who wasn't superstitious whatsoever, started laughing again and told her, whatever, I don't even know who you are. I don't believe you. You're scaring my kids. I'm going to have to ask you to leave, please. <laughs> and the lady got up and I remember her shaking her head and whispering something, but I couldn't tell exactly what she whispered. So fast forward two more months and it's Labor Day weekend and my family and I are all going to have a pig roast. Sorry, Sabrina. <laughs> this is a big Mexican reunion. Ha <laughs> ha. My mom and her husband were on a motorcycle ride in Milwaukee. And so the rest of the story is going to be told from my mom's perspective. So when my mom was taking a rest at the rest stop, she apparently got a phone call from our neighbor, which they were really good friends. And she knew that we were gone for the day. And when she answered the phone, she said, hello. And my neighbor, Vanessa, said in a very hesitated voice, Elizabeth, which is my mom's name. <laughs> and she said, Elizabeth. I um I don't know how to tell you this. I don't want to scare you, but your house is on fire. And I <laughs> called the fire department and they are on the way right now to put it out. So don't worry. You guys could but you guys should come home immediately. <laughs> After picking my sister and I up from my uncle's house, my mom told us to wait in the car, but my sister and I rolled down the windows so that we could see better. And I remember looking at our house and seeing so much smoke. It was very traumatizing. My mom started freaking out and she started pacing back and forth and told the firemen that she thought our nanny was inside. And she got out her phone and called her babysitter who answered right away and told her that she was coming back to the house with my older sister right away. After my mom got done talking to the firemen, she was told that the fire was caused by our electric stove. She was livid. After all the commotion, my mom and my sisters and myself and our nanny were all together in the car. And that's when my mom asked the babysitter if she had left the oven on before she left and she just started crying and said that she accidentally did because my older sister spooky was in a car accident and apparently my older sister and her friends were drinking and hit a parked car which is irresponsible i know oh and i'm God. sorry drinking and driving is terrible and unacceptable well my older sister called my babysitter when my babysitter was about to cook food and she told her that she needed to be picked up immediately because there was drinking and the cops were on the way and she didn't want to be arrested and she was underage drinking and participating in drinking and driving even though she wasn't the one driving so apparently our babysitter dropped the phone left the stove on and ran out of the house to save our older sister dun 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 so at the end of the day our house did catch fire and most of it burned down and in a way the fire was caused because of the emergency that my sister had I don't know if it was very spooky, <laughs> but I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll see you all on the other side. Okay. That's wild. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, who is this woman? Because they had block parties. So it sounds like the whole neighborhood would go. So who was this older woman that was there? Like, wouldn't they have known who she was if she was at the house? Yeah, but it could have been like, I don't know. You don't know everyone in your neighborhood. Not always. Yeah, I don't know. Or it was I'm like really a friend of someone. Though. I mean, someone would have had to know who this woman was right it might have been like a friend of someone's you know i would want you know as much as that woman probably should not have expressed her concern for the house in the way that she did perhaps it wasn't her at all perhaps she was just a channel and there was this spirit coming through panicked trying to get the message through totally but it's like i don't know i understand wanting to like you get a message and you have to tell it really really quickly but like there has to be 
a more efficient way to get that message across, be like, I know this is going to sound strange. I'm a psychic and I tend to like get visions of things and like, I don't want to scare you and you can take this however you want. But like I see an image of a fire in your house and like the message I'm getting is that it's going to be your... Yeah, just be hyper vigilant when using stovetops and turning off your hair straightener and appliances Unplug everything before you leave the house. Whereas I imagine her like screaming, like her eyes like kind of like rolled back into the back of her head and like pointing at people and yelling and making a scene about it. Yes. No, that's exactly how I pictured it too. (laughs) Because she wrote it in all caps too. Like the woman was screaming. So, and it's crazy that she pointed at the sister and was like, and it's her fault. I know. And it kind of was her fault. Yeah, totally. Jeez. But what an awful thing to lose your house so much of it in a fire too i know that's one of the scariest things i can't even imagine whenever like hurricanes and mudslides and earthquakes and tornado season and all of that comes through scares the crap out of me because for the most part in new england those things don't happen as often like we'll get hurricane damage every once in a while Mm -hmm. but it's just so scary to think that in just a couple moments you can lose your own i know i know at least we know that they had a strong neighborhood community. Yeah. So they had others, I'm Neighbors sure, to rely on and to help them out. But yeah, I would want to find this woman and be like, what else do you know? Because now <laughs> I believe you. So I'm open to hearing anything you're willing to provide me at this point. <laughs> you have proof of her abilities now. Yeah. And then, of course, she's going to be like, what? No, screw you. You didn't believe me before. You I'm kicked not me out of the party. Messages. I was just there to enjoy a drink. And then I got overcome by ghosts. And you kicked me out. All right, I have a story. All right, let's hear it. Okay, the subject line is, I think my boyfriend's mom used to talk to me from beyond the grave in my mischievous black cat. Hey, girls, I'm an OG listener, and I absolutely love your podcast. So I listened to your episode, Guide Us, and I thought I would share with you about my black cat. But to start off, I wanted to tell you why I call this my black cat. As a Wiccan, I do not acknowledge any supernatural form with the name due to its increasing the possibility of inviting evil spirits of any kind. Even though I do not get any bad vibes from this cat and no matter how many times I cleanse my home, this cat has stuck by my side through thick and thin, even when he becomes mischievous. Ever since I was little, I had this black cat that would follow me around. My earliest memory was when I was five. I was always the clumsy, sick child in the family and stares were not kind to me. At that time, my family lived in the upstairs part of a duplex, so we had to walk upstairs every day to get out of our door. I was walking out of the door, and as I took my first step, I tripped and rolled all the way down the stairs. It hurt, but I only had a couple of bruises. I immediately looked up to blame it on my sister because I thought she had just pushed me down when I saw a black cat sitting there licking its paw, and he just stared at me when he noticed I saw him. So like I said, I've always been the clumsy, sick child of the family, And when I was 13, I was diagnosed with ITP, which is a blood disorder where my immune system attacks my platelets, which help stop bleeding when you get a cut, thinking it's something like a bad virus. This causes me to bruise easily and take forever to stop bleeding. Anyway, my black cat has been a lot more active ever since I've been diagnosed with my blood disorder, and sometimes in ways I wish it wasn't. Nervous laugh. I like to think that my black cat protects me, but sometimes he gets me into trouble. He is known to push off any cup I have set down on any table, which sucks when it's my hot tea or hot chocolate. Mm -hmm. I have carpet and it's always hard to clean up. 
He's taken some of my items and hidden them from me for days, sometimes even weeks. And once he took my wallet from me for a whole week, and no matter how much I kindly asked him to give it back to me, he wouldn't. I thought it was his way of telling me to stop binge buying items and start saving my money because two weeks later, I had to go through treatments again, which I do four times a month, and each treatment is about $4,500. Whoa. So even though I wasn't able to buy myself more crystals for that week, I was able to pay my first medical bill with ease thanks to my black cat. Jeez. I've gotten into trouble because of him, though. He likes to appear wherever he likes. Very cat of him, isn't it? And that includes in public settings like school or work. He loves, and I mean loves, to play with my writing utensils and my feet. So there are moments that he playfully attacks my feet and slightly bites like most cats. When he does this, I tend to shake him off my legs so he would stop, and sometimes he doesn't, so I end up telling him to stop out loud. I got detention once because I yelled, Just bloody stop, you mischievous black cat, in the middle of an exam. Oops. I do love my black cat even when he can be a butthole sometimes too. I have had pretty bad anxiety attacks and I tend to pull my hair out or even hold my breath, which is dangerous, I know. I fainted before because of it. Whenever I have anxiety attacks alone, he always shows up and comforts me. Now this may sound really odd, but I can feel his purring in my chest, like literally inside my chest. It feels like I have a cat laying on my chest purring. His purring is very heavy and calming, and it seriously helps my anxiety calm down. So it's been a while since I passed out from me holding my breath during anxiety attacks. So maybe my black cat could be a spirit guide of some sort, a guardian angel, or just a cat that got attached to me. I have no idea, but I like to think we have a mutual relationship. Now, the story of my boyfriend's mom. My boyfriend's mom had passed away from cancer in the beginning of his senior year in high school. He's struggled quite a lot since then and doesn't like to visit her grave because of how guilty he feels. He couldn't spend a lot of time with her before she died because he had to take care of his siblings and work and go to school at the same time. He paid the majority of bills and groceries and made sure his younger siblings made it to school on time and had dinner ready for them when they got home. He also managed to find time to take care of his mom, help her shower and eat, and even make sure she took her medications. He barely got any sleep and it really took a toll on him mentally and physically. He was the kind of man who didn't like to bother people for help, and I say was because he has become a lot better about that. So to start off, and I am very sensitive and always have been, I guess it didn't help how much my family encouraged it. I'm from a long line of witches, so I really have support when it comes to my family and when it comes to my experiences. Graveyards have never been my favorite place to be, no matter how much it catches my attention at times. I always manage to have bad experiences at them, and that counts seeing crying children because they don't know what happened to them. But on the anniversary of her death, on the first year we started dating in 2017, I told him that I would like to visit her grave and bring her her favorites, Diet Pepsi, Kit Kats, and a panda drawing I had made her. It was very weird for me to willingly go to a graveyard, but I had this sinking feeling that I had to go, and I had to do something important. I told him he didn't have to go with me or get out of the car at all and that I just wanted to say hello and that I had a feeling that I needed to be there at that time. It took a bit of convincing and since I didn't drive at that time, he agreed and drove me there. When we got there, I started to feel a bit lightheaded. I didn't think much about it and I just figured I didn't eat enough that day. I had gotten out of the car after telling my boyfriend that he is free to join me whenever he wants to and it's okay if he isn't ready. And I walked to her gravestone. My head started to feel like it was spinning and I started to get tunnel vision and I lost my hearing and I fainted. From here on, this will be explained in the point of view of my boyfriend. According to my boyfriend, when I fainted, he freaked out and came running to me and picked me up. But when he sat me up and I came to, 
In a clear voice that sounded like his mother, I said, Do not feel guilty anymore, my love. I am proud of you, my son. You have become so strong. Protect this young girl. She cares about you so much. Now go shave. You look so unkempt. (laughs) (laughs) My boyfriend said that he couldn't muster any words after hearing me talk so clearly like his mother. He said that when I actually came to, he could tell a visible difference. All I remember when I came to is feeling heavy and tired, but my head was no longer spinning. When I looked at my boyfriend, he was in complete shock and his face immediately filled with tears when he noticed I was normal again. He wouldn't let me go for what seemed like an hour. Ever since we had this experience, I've had this deep feeling of the need to stay by his side and protect him. I feel a strong connection with him and I have a feeling his mom left a small imprint of her soul in my body. I always manage to know when something is wrong with my boyfriend even before he tells me. Ever since then, we've gone to visit her on her birthday or any other major event in life. We even have a small picnic at her gravestone, too. And every day of the dead, we visit with her with candles and her favorite meal. Nathan has grown so much from this experience and now finds it funny that his mom is still telling him to shave even from beyond the grave. I'll send more stories of my experience as a very spiritually sensitive Wiccan. Keep being awesome and see you on the other side. Daisy. P.S. I got a new kitten and she's a black cat. When I saw her, I had this strong connection to her and something inside of me was telling me I had to get her. So I gave in and got her and her name is Soul as in the sun. Here's a photo of my other older cat, Luna, and a photo of me and my boyfriend a year after our experience. Okay. First things first, the black cat. I know. I wonder if at first I was like, oh, maybe it's like some guardian angel or something like that. But The more she described the cat and just like the cat acting like a cat and being attached to her, it made me wonder if maybe this was her own cat in her past life and my cat just needed to be with her because they have such a strong bond and was waiting to then be like put into a new cat's body for the next round of of being a pet but just couldn't wait. So was there in spirit form and then maybe the new cat that she just adopted is this cat. I'm really curious if she still sees Black Cat Mm -hmm. after adopting Soul. Me too. The attachment this spirit has to her makes me think of a guardian or like a traveling soul of sorts that is just appearing as a Black Cat because it needs to be near her. Especially if it's helping her with like anxieties and so many different other things. It's, It's not just there. And also... It took me a minute to remember that she physically like sees the cat because I was like, that would be so scary to just be sitting there. And then all of a sudden something's biting your toe. (laughs) Yes. But it sounds like she actually visually has her eyes on this thing. Right. Like she can see it. I think it's so funny that she got detention. I know. I would imagine being her friend, like sitting at the desk next to her. And then she just yells out like, for God's sakes, leave me alone. Stop biting (laughs) me, black cat. And you just look over like... What the hell is wrong? What are you yelling about, lady? I'm like, yo, you good? You need to go to the nurse's office? <laughs> um, but the fact that her boyfriend's mom like took over her body to talk to her son is amazing. That's yeah, that is incredible. That is not where I thought it was going. I 100% thought that she was going to go because the mom wanted to give her a message to give her son. Right. I did not think about taking that extra step and being like, "Well, she's a channel, so may as well just <laughs> jump on in." Yeah, how wild. I wonder if she, if she's had that experience, if Daisy's 
channeled anyone else or had that happen to her before. Yeah. Oh my God. I can only imagine what her boyfriend felt. I wouldn't even know what to expect because I feel like it almost complicates things more because you have this moment with your mother, but it's through your girlfriend. And so then spending time with your girlfriend, I think only reminds you more of your mother. And it's this sort of complicated situation where the girlfriend and the mother are like so almost like deeply bonded now. I know. It's wild. They're tethered. Tethered. She's always, now his mom's always keeping an eye on him. This email is from our listener, Lindsay. It is called My Ghostly Encounters from Portland, Oregon. Hi guys, I'm a huge fan of the podcast and I thought I'd share my totally haunted apartment stories with you. I have three and I think they're pretty good, so bear with me and my winded storytelling. A few years ago, my boyfriend, now fiance, possibly husband when you read this, our wedding is in October. Wait, when did she send this? <gasps> she sent this in August of 2018. So they're married. Yay, congrats. Congrats. Not only married, but they've already celebrated their one year anniversary. Wow. Awesome. A few years ago today, my, and now it's her husband, made the big decision to move in together. We searched everywhere for several months and ended up falling in love with a cute little apartment community on the outskirts of Portland, Oregon. The apartment we decided to move into was being completely renovated, which now I'm kind of thinking is why our apartment was so active. And we had to wait about a month for everything to be completed. At the time, my fiance and I had completely different work schedules. I worked Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. He worked in the food industry, so he wouldn't get home until about 11.30 p.m. during the week. I would stay up for about 30 minutes after he got home and would wander into bed when he would stay up for several more hours. A few minutes after getting settled into bed, my fiance, now husband, would come mm -hmm. in and tuck me in for the night, a pick on the cheek and a couple of I love yous, and then would go out back into the living room to play video games. My side of the bed was the farthest away from the bedroom door, so I'd oftentimes hear him come in even when my eyes were closed. Well, one evening, about two weeks after moving in, I went to bed and I was fully expecting our nightly routine to occur. I hop into bed, I turn on our fan and his side lamp, and I laid in bed with my eyes closed for about five minutes when I heard the telltale sounds of my fiancé briskly walking into the room and around to my side of the bed. <laughs> My eyes were still shut when I felt like he was about three inches away from my face, about to give me a smooch. You know the feeling when you can mm. just feel someone right there watching you. Fully expecting to see my fiance when I opened my eyes, I smiled and cracked my lids open and I see nothing there. I sat straight up wide eyed and looked around to see that I was the only one in the room. I just sat there dumbfounded for a few minutes. I didn't tell my fiance that this occurred right away. I'm usually very logical, even though I believe in ghosts. Denial <laughs> will definitely help you sleep at night. And a couple more experiences went by before I told him. So dumb. But my second experience happened when we were both asleep and the room was dark. My fiance sometimes wakes up in the middle of the night due to a coughing fit and he has to sleepily sit up for a few minutes to catch his breath after it passes. While I didn't hear him coughing, something woke me up. You know, that feeling again. And I looked to my left and I see someone sitting on the bed where my fiancé is sleeping. Not registering that this wasn't my fiancé, I closed my eyes and I reached over to put my head on his back and asked if he was okay. Only to hit his hand that was laying next to his hip. Realizing that he was laying down, I opened up my eyes wide and saw that he was laying in bed, snoring away, and the figure was gone. It was then that I remembered that the figure sitting on the bed looked similar to my fiancé, but it wasn't him. Shaved head with dark hair. 
similar build, a little skinnier, but no tattoos. My guy has a full sleeve of tattoos on both arms. I just laid in bed convincing myself that I was dreaming, and then I tried to go back to sleep. Oh my gosh. But that time, it was a little bit harder. The third but not final experience was the one that broke the camel's back. And I finally told my fiance about all of the things going on. It was about 3.30 or 4 p.m. on a sunny summer day, and we were getting ready to meet up with some friends for dinner and drinks. I had already showered and was getting ready. Also, this is just, I cannot wait for it to be like warm and sunny and like (laughs) be able to go out at four and know that the sun's not going down till nine. Oh God, I miss it. (laughs) Okay. I had already showered and I was getting ready in the living room at my little desk that I had converted into my beauty bar. Our apartment was super tiny and we only had one bathroom, so I had to get creative with some things. To my left was the wall that you had to walk around to go into our hall, which led into the bathroom and the bedroom. Before he got into the shower, we were chatting and I had told him several times that he was going to make us late to dinner if he didn't hurry up. Even then, he came out and kissed me and told me that he loved me. Ah, young love. A few more times, and then finally he went into the bathroom and started to shower. I was sitting at my desk slash beauty bar when I see in my peripherals a head pop out from the corner looking at me. A little irritated, I smiled and looked over to tell him to march his butt back into the bathroom, only to see that nobody was there. Thinking it was still my fiancé, it started to get up and I heard him fumbling around the bathroom and close the shower curtain. I stopped what I was doing, and I just sat in that spot until he got out of the shower a few minutes later. I think I lost all color and had a pretty freaked out look on my face because my fiancé was immediately concerned when he came out. I finally told him everything that had been going on, and after being scolded by him because I didn't tell him, he decided to play some Buddhist chants of his protector, Fudomeo. Also, he practices Buddhism, hence his decision to play said chance. And while he was playing the chance, I felt a wave of cold wash over me. Instant goosebumps. I told my fiance and he stopped playing the chance. And then he said that the spirit was not allowed to bother me anymore. The cold disappeared as quickly as it came. I only felt the cold a few more times and always felt like I was being watched from afar, but never saw the spirit again. One last little story. We have a good friend who is sensitive to the spirit world. We invited him over for dinner and hadn't mentioned anything about what I had been experiencing. As soon as he walked into the door, he asked my fiance, do y'all have a spirit up in here? And we just looked at each other, smiled, and proceeded to tell him everything. (laughs) We all agreed that it wasn't malevolent in any way. Just curious. I'm okay with that. Keep up the great work, guys. Listening to your podcast has gotten me through some pretty boring times at work. Sincerely, Lindsay. P.S. The story of the Halloween party where Sabrina dressed up as a creepy ghost girl cracked my shit up. <laughs> like, hard. Way to commit. <laughs> Samara. So fun. Even though it's like a good ghost, it's super unsettling. It's unsettling, like the peeking around the corner in the like breathing sort of being right in front of her face. It's almost like it was imitating her fiance at the time. Right. And it was a spirit, assuming it's the spirit of a guy around the same age as her fiance, but not quite the same. So it wasn't as if it was a doppelganger situation because it didn't completely take on the appearance of her fiance. It was just someone who looked somewhat resembled him just in terms of like general shape and build. Right. It's so strange. Who is it? What is it of? Who is it just attached to that house or their place? Maybe it almost it's almost yeah. I don't know the sitting up in bed and then the kind of like 
looking, going around to check on her at the side made me almost think that it was more of like a comfort thing. Like maybe the spirit was a little like, what's going on? I don't know what's happening anymore. They renovated my space. It's so different. Everything's different. You guys are different. You are new. And then kind of just like, because they were so young and in love, they probably put off this really warm, inviting energy in their space. And I wonder if like the spirit had gone to them to kind of like seek comfort. But then- The peeking around the corner thing just is a little spooky. Yeah. And it was like targeting her for so long and not her fiance, now husband. Yeah. And too, when he was playing the Buddhist chants, the cold washed over Lindsay, which again, it could have been the spirit being like, what's happening, Lindsay? Hold me for comfort. Or it could have been something a little more sinister. Like, no, it's not going to let me let go of you. Like, I won't let go of you. I don't know. I'm really curious about their friend, though, that just can walk in and be like, oh, there's a ghost here. (laughs) I know. I feel like you have that sensibility, though. Sometimes. I think it used to be a lot stronger when I was younger. I would walk into a space and immediately now. Right. I never knew, like, who or got a sense of story. I would just know that there was an extra energy in the space. I blocked myself off a lot since because I'm scared. (laughs) This podcast has helped me block myself off from a lot of it. It's weird because you'd think it'd be the opposite. Yeah, I know. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It's scary. We get scared more frequently. So I feel like we're remembering the spirit world and ghost stories and all of the things that can happen more frequently because we talk about it every single week. Right. So I think we don't have time to forget and like let our guard down. The ghost world is like, we don't need to bother them. They do it to themselves. They, yeah, those (laughs) girls are crazy. They're just always scaring themselves. Always. Okay, I have another story that's very spooky. Incubus, poltergeist, but it ends heartwarming. LOL. From Amanda. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. I'm a fairly new listener and have been listening to you guys as I sit on my two-hour commute to and from work. West LA traffic sucks. Oh my god, West LA traffic does suck. suck. Hearing all your other listener stories makes all of my creepy experiences not feel so lonely in a weird way. Quite a few of my family members have always been sensitive to paranormal things, including myself. I'm an empath, and as one of the guys who I dated stated, weirdly intuitive about everything. Growing up, I didn't realize that not everyone experienced these things and found myself hiding more and more of my experiences as to seem quote-unquote, normal. I have several stories, but I wanted to tell three short stories, the last one ending with a more heartwarming note. When I was 14, we had just moved from one home where we were allowed to have cats to an apartment where cats were not allowed. So before our move, we had to give our cats away. One night as I was sleeping in my new room, I felt at my feet like one of my cats had just hopped on my bed and landed on my foot slash leg. It startled me a bit, and I heard a sweet little meow and was like, Oh, it's just one of the cats. And then immediately after that thought was like, wait, we don't have cats anymore. And then I heard a more sinister, guttural, drawn out meow. What? That sounded more like a person doing a terrible impersonation of a cat. Ew, this is so disturbing. As this happened, the original small weight of cat feet grew and felt like an adult body was laying on top of me. My hands were pinned by my head and I couldn't yell or move or open my eyes, which honestly, I don't think I wanted to open my eyes. This lasted for a few more minutes until I could finally break free and I ran out of my room into my older sister's room sobbing. She told me she thought it was an incubus and allowed me to sleep with her for the night. 
Maybe it was sleep paralysis, but maybe that's what an incubus does to be able to prey on you. Who knows, but it never happened again after that night. When I got a bit younger and was in the school that was a middle school slash high school, my family was living in motels and my sister, who was about 16 or 17 at the time, and I, 12 or 13, had to walk pretty far to school unless we were able to hitch a ride with one of her friends who lived down the street. Her friend's house had been having some paranormal activity, and these lovely ghosts decided to hitch a ride home with my sister and myself. It felt like there were more than one of them, and they were around my sister's age, maybe. Things in the motel room started turning on and off, and the channels would change on their own, and I started having these dreams and feeling as if someone was laying behind me with their arms around me, stroking my hair until I fell asleep. It was kind of scary, but it didn't feel like anything malevolent and more like a comforting spirit. Each night when I would go to bed, the dream would progress from where I left off the night before. Each morning, I would wake up and tell my family what had happened. It started with me sitting in the backseat of this car with four other girls around 16 and 17, and we were all joyriding around. The next night, we were still joyriding, but it started to rain inside the car, like water pouring from the ceiling. I was panicking, but none of them looked worried, and they were all laughing and conversing and singing along to the music as if nothing was wrong. The following night, we were at the beach next to a cliff, and the girls were waiting in the water, standing in a half circle, asking me to take their hands as they slowly submerged more and more into the water. Once I woke that final morning, and I was telling my family about what happened, the usual being stroked to sleep, telling them about the dream, my dad interjected that when he was falling asleep, he felt a long, sharp, acrylic nail scratch him slowly down his face. I should have mentioned that my dad had a drinking problem and was pretty abusive growing up, so I think the spirits may have been trying to protect me from him and were trying to share their story with me about what happened to them. The last story I will share for now is my dad's story. I grew up in a house that was haunted by my great-grandparents, and we also had several other spirits and demons that would pass through on a consistent basis. The house used to be my grandparents' farmhouse a long time ago, and my dad purchased the house from his mom. In this house, there was a long hallway that led to my parents' room, and my older sister was just a baby and learning how to walk, and as she was teetering down the hallway to my dad at the end of the hall in his room, he saw his grandmother guiding her to him and ensuring she wouldn't fall down. Once my sister reached my dad, his grandmother vanished. Mind you, my great-grandmother passed away years before my sister was even born. That's all for now. Keep up the great work. Stay spooky, Amy. So- I wonder why the grandmother thought in that one specific moment that she really needed to help out. If it was just, I don't know, I'm trying to make sense of why she would only appear then. But maybe, I mean, it sounded like they had their ghosts appearing all the time in that house, that ghosts were often in that house. And maybe the great-grandmother just wanted to be a part of her sister's steps, first walk. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. I love that. That one is sweet. Yeah, that that one one was sweet. (laughs) Avoidance, avoidance, avoidance. And it all wasn't, yeah, that's so wild. Even though I experienced it myself too in the house that I grew up in, when there are so many spirits present and it happens so frequently that it just almost becomes like a regular part of your life and your family's life living in this home. Right. And it's like, I don't know, like she just seemed... That that first experience of the incubus is so terrifying, yeah. but it seemed like she's so used to having weird experiences that it's so easy for her to write off. Right. I know. There's nothing – we read, I don't know how many episodes ago, but there was a listener story where there was that person, that like creature, demonic entity standing by the bushes like near their car and was making the sounds of an owl. 
And this reminds me of that, like making, mimicking a cat. And it just is so disturbing to basically get the attention of someone and make them feel for a moment like they're safe. Safe. Yes. Yeah. I think that's messed up. I'm very interested with the story of the teenage girls. Like, it sounds like they were in a car accident, right? And they drowned, maybe? Yeah. And that they were trying to share their experience with Amy through her dreams? I don't know, but Amy sounds very sensitive. I wonder if everyone else in her family has had as many experiences, if it's something like that the house sort of opened her experiences at the house and with her family has maybe opened her up more or if she just herself is sensitive because it follows her outside of the house too. Right. I mean, she did say her family has had a lot of experiences, so I feel like maybe it's just a familial thing. It's a gift. A gift from the other side. All right, we have two more stories left for our ghostly friends. Oh, yes. And this one is from our listener, Cormac. College hauntings is how it's labeled. I recently found your podcast, and after binge listening to about half of it while driving to and from visiting my girlfriend and mowing lawns, I think it's safe to say I'm addicted, despite listening in reverse order like a terrible podcast gremlin (laughs) I am, because I didn't learn how to work Spotify properly until today. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a few encounters that began in college, and while the less intimidating ones ended there, the others recently made another appearance. While I've always been someone who gets spooked easily, only recently did a friend point out that it could be something paranormal, a conversation which started when, back in 2017, all of my friends had dreams about me in the same night, and they had overlapping elements, namely traveling far away and leaving without preparing at all. The college I've been going to and that I'm graduating from this year has more than a few reports of ghosts over the years. In my freshman dorm, a student died by suicide back in the 70s, and I only learned recently that what I'd been hearing late at night was something that other people heard as well through the years. The story goes, way back in the day, a student died by hanging in their room and, when doing so, knocked over their jar of marbles. Now, a feeling of dread in being watched is often accompanied by the sound of marbles hitting the ceiling above you. I lived on the bottom floor, so I assumed it was just the people immediately above me, but one of my friends who lived on the top floor in the opposite end had heard the exact same thing. More than once, I felt there was something just outside my window or door and would be terrified to look out either of them. The next two encounters happened close together my sophomore year in a dorm that used to be an old hotel before the school purchased it. I had been randomly placed in the same room my mother had been approximately 25 years earlier. That is so cool. What? That's amazing. That happened to one of our friends in college and I can't remember who it was, but they were, was it Shannon? One of our friends had been in the same dorm room as their dad had been. That's and then so was like a little like liked it, but then was weirded out enough by it that they were like, <laughs> well, I don't want to sleep on the same side he slept on. So they just slept on the other side. As if the beds are, I hope the beds I know. are the same. <laughs> <laughs> One night I was having car trouble after visiting a friend across town at the other college. On the way back, two of my tires lost all pressure on the highway and the GPS I was using was giving me directions to random deserted alleyways and even a church instead of the college. Yeah. I didn't find my way back until about three or four in the morning, but when I arrived, there was a man sitting at the front desk in the lobby. I didn't think much of it since the RA on duty or a campus safety officer would usually sit there. The two of us chatted for a little bit and something about him was immediately calming. He said that I looked shaken and I explained what happened. 
I explained that I live on the top floor of the dorm and he said he heard it was haunted, a pretty common rumor among the students. I just laughed it off. Somebody would have had to die there for it to be haunted and the school said that nobody had. And the man informed me, somewhat matter-of-factly, that somebody had died there, a mobster back in the day when it had still been a hotel. At this point, I was calm enough to go upstairs and I left. I looked back after leaving and I could have sworn that he didn't have any legs under the desk. But I chalked it up to him just moving in the swivel chair. The next day, I went out to call AAA and was talking to people at the desk about the man that had been there the night before, as I hadn't recognized them. They said that not only was there no new guy on the staff, but that nobody was ever at the desk after 2 a.m. That was the very, very latest shift that they would have. (laughs) And at this point, I realized that he was just in a normal button-down shirt, no uniform, and certainly had no radio. I didn't love the thought of having spoken to a ghost, but he almost immediately calmed me down. And I remember his face distinctly, a chubby, clean-shaven man with red-tinged cheeks and short brown hair. The last story is still ongoing and not as much fun as the last one. It started in the same dorm where the faucet would turn on and off, but not just in my room, in other students' rooms as well. Things would randomly go missing, only to appear in places they shouldn't have been. There was an all-around bad vibe to the room, which even my friends visiting me there noticed. Having a terribly messy roommate didn't help, but him keeping me Mm. up all night with his Netflix playing definitely made me notice stuff I wouldn't have normally. One night in particular, I saw a dark hooded figure reaching towards me with long, pale hands. (gasps) I assumed that I had sleep paralysis, but other students claimed to have had the same thing happen to them. You've both mentioned how negative energy and emotions can attract spirits, and around this time, I was really coming to terms with an abusive relationship and sitting in on my own puddle of self-loathing every night. I recently learned that some people on my floor had used a Ouija board the previous semester and believed that they'd made contact with a man murdered at the top floor back in the 80s, even getting him to spell out his name without them knowing about him beforehand. Shortly after this incident, I started losing time in weird ways. I'd randomly fall asleep in my room while not tired, and once I even managed to somehow miss my roommate coming back, brushing his teeth, watching a movie, and going to bed. I only knew that he came back after campus safety came looking for him because his car alarm was going off, and I said that he hadn't been in, only to turn around and hear him snore and then finally see him after having closed the door. He was not a small dude, so I have no idea how I missed him. This same ghost has been popping in and out of my life ever since. It appeared more than once that year and even appeared in my dorm room across campus the following year. What? The night that four people I was becoming friends with all had dreams involving me. And as I learned the next day, the same night my ex had a presence in her apartment open the door in the middle of the night, which I had jumped about. It literally sounds like a B-movie plot. (laughs) My gosh. The ghost hadn't appeared that past year at all. I'm going back for fifth year senior this fall since I added a major late, but this last semester, I felt it again, this time in my room at home. All day today, Mm -hmm. I could feel it while I was at home, being watched. Even my dog was staring upstairs while I was getting ready to feed her, which she never does. Shortly after, she started barking at the corner of the room. But that's not the scary part here. Just before I left to visit my girlfriend this past Monday, I saw a pale, abnormally round and smooth face just outside of my window on the second (gasps) floor. 
It was staring right at me, showing its teeth but not quite smiling. No. I buried my head between the bed and the wall as one does and waited. The window was directly next to the bed, so I was close enough for it to have been unmistakably watching me, and the curtains are just too small, so it was clearly visible in the corner of the window. Oh! Oh! I hate that. Get no. get bigger curtains. Mm-mm. When my most recent two roommates came to visit, one of them who had paranormal experiences in the past pointed out that he absolutely could not fall asleep in my room. He said he was hearing things, specifically a high-pitched whine, while in there, but no one else was in the house. He has hearing damage, so I didn't really think anything of it until recently, but it's still bizarre. Signed, Cormac. Wow. That's wild. Oh my goodness. It really does sound like a movie, like a horror movie. I'm really curious about what that means for all of his friends to have had the same dream about him in the same night and him traveling unprepared far distance. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean that he, I mean, it just sounds like he's unprepared for what's to come, like some sort of weird premonition. But I wonder if that's truly a sign or if it's some spirit trying to basically put that into the space, trying to make him feel more vulnerable and scared so that they can get closer. I feel like it, I want to say it's trying to make him scared. Right? That's such a scare tactic. Like if someone tells you something bad's going to happen, you're going to start to think that. I'm also incredibly curious about the time slips. Like lost time is, I think, one of the most interesting things to me. It brings me back. I think one of the very first emails we read about lost time was that woman who had been working. I think when she was a teenager, she worked in a movie theater. Do you remember? And she lost like an entire two hours of time. And her mm-hmm. her colleagues were talking about how weird she was acting and that she'd like done all this stuff and had been all around the movie theater, but she had no recollection of it. And it kind of reminds me of this. Like, what were McCormick's interactions with his roommate? Did his roommate notice anything odd about him? Did his roommate notice McCormick Ugh. being there? Like, it's under the assumption that he was still in his room, but what if he had left and done things? Right. I mean, it doesn't sound like he and his roommate are, like, the best of friends. Right. Yeah. Ugh, I hate, th- I hate the idea of losing time. It's so scary. It's really scary. I really feel like he has to – I want someone to help Cormac. Yeah. it Get rid of this weird, creepy entity. It's like following him for years. I know. And it sounds like he got it in college. <laughs> like sophomore year dorm was the first time he was exposed. And here's another thing. He felt very calmed down by the presence that was at the front of the dorm after breaking down. Clearly the spirit of some man. And it makes me wonder if it was the man that had been murdered. Almost, but it's interesting that he was Mm. this man had such a calming presence, and yet the description of him almost matches the scary, scary description of the face in the window a few years later. I mean, sometimes even though they're calming, that's like a tactic they use to get you, right? Yeah, and it makes me think that maybe that was the murdered mobster because if he didn't, I mean, we don't know how he was murdered, but just the fact that he turned and like didn't have legs, I guess. It could be just some basic thing that maybe a ghost doesn't use its energy to project its legs (laughs) it doesn't need to. But it also makes me think of like lost limbs and mobster activity back a few decades ago, 40, 50 years ago. Right. And I don't always associate like mobsters with great people. Isn't it crazy that the 80s were 40 years ago? That just hit me. Yes. Wow. We're almost 30. (gasps) I can have my 13 going on 30 party or my murder mystery party. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. (laughs) That's going to be so fun. (laughs) Everyone will have to fly out and come. (laughs) Of course. 
All right, I have a story to wrap us up. This is from Jorgen. They won't let us come up from the ground. Haunted forest story. Hi, queens of all things spooky. I have a story for you about a forest where over 350 innocent people were executed during World War II. This might be a long one. I live in Norway. In fact, smack down in the middle of Norway, about an hour's drive south, there is a World War II museum. That building used to be a school for misbehaved children pre-World War II, but when the German forces came to Norway, they took over that school and made it into a small concentration camp. Prisoners of war from Norway, Sweden, Russia, Poland, and other countries were situated there and made to work. One of the way Germans used to terrorize the prisoners of war was to make them test new military boots. They are forced to walk in a circle on a different type of terrain, gravel, pavement, and wood until the shoes were worn out. And that was to see how durable the German military boots were. In 1944, when the war was on its last chapter, the Germans had to dispose of evidence of war crimes. Most of the prisoners of war were transported to Falstegoskin, which means Falstead Forest. Falstead is the name of the county. They were then promptly forced to dig their own graves down on their knees and shot in the back of the head so they would fall down oh, into the mass no. graves. When there were no more places to bury them, they would take the dead bodies to a fjord called Trondhemsfjorden and sink them into the depths. To this day, there are still unmarked mass graves in that forest, and many of the bodies are still buried there. Okay, that's the backstory of the place. But I went to that forest in the middle of the winter, when it's darkest, at midnight, and a friend of mine came along, and he has the ability to see spirits. Oh boy, did he. And I did too. I've also been to that forest alone in the middle of the night, because you know, I ain't scared of no ghosts. <laughs> Even before we got there, he saw three soldiers guarding the road on both sides of the forest. One on the left side, one in the middle, and one on the right side of the road. They're watching us, he said, controlling who gets to enter. And I was like, shit, this might be a bad idea. We parked the car near the memorial site, which is also the entrance to the forest. We walked up to one of the small steel gates, and my friend says, stop, don't enter yet, you're being checked up. A German soldier is pointing his gun at you, and I was like, shit, what's he gonna do about it, huh? So I walked in, and shit started to hit the fan. I was looking down into the darkness of the forest when I suddenly had the urge to turn around. And just as I turned around, I saw a white apparition darting down into the depths of the forest. I saw its entire body. It was white, had a coat and a helmet. And in my mind, I saw it in color. It was a German soldier. My mind went blank for a second before I realized he wasn't walking or running. He was Ooh. gliding. And the coat he wore was kind of floating in the wind behind him. We saw dozens of orbs shooting straight up. I was touched. We heard marching right in front of us. And something tried to grab my engagement ring off my finger. But the worst part of that forest is the feeling you get when you enter it. Imagine this. You're about to enter a forest and you know that inside the forest there are a hundred people hiding from you, waiting to scare the hell out of you. But it never happens. So you're just stuck with that intense feeling of scary anticipation. So I asked my friend, what do you see? And he said, all I see are German soldiers patrolling the forest paths in here. I quickly asked, what about the people they killed? Where are they? He answered, they won't let them come up out of the ground. And they keep grabbing my legs, desperately begging for help. If it wasn't for your podcast, I would never get through my work week because this guy drives 900 miles in three days at work. Sigh. See you on the other side, Jorgen. That's wild. I had no idea. Like, that's such a haunted place. Awful things happened. I mean, yeah. I'm sure from the results of any war, especially like World War II, which is often the one that's talked about, had so much death and horror and evil involved in it that I'm sure wherever it took place and touched down, those spots either have insane residual energy or just crazy hauntings. But 
I feel yeah. like I often think about those spots as maybe being haunted more by the victims and less by like some of the perpetrators, like the they're seeing the German soldiers marching around. Right. Like as if it's still right. happening. So I guess it's more of like perhaps a residual haunting. Right. Although it seems active, the fact that they felt the engagement ring start being like pulled off the finger. and Right. I almost feel like if it's, I mean, partially could be residual, but if it's also like that area is stuck in a time warp of sorts. Yeah. It also... Like if the energy and emotion was so, so powerful that it goes beyond a residual energy. So wild. (gasps) I feel like I just saw something at the corner of my eye. My house is haunted. Are you home alone? (laughs) My goodness. I hope it was just like a bird going by the window and probably threw a shadow. Yes. But this scares me. Let's go with that. (laughs) It also, just the description of the soldier floating instead of walking or running or marching or whatever, the floating creeps me out because it reminds me of the book, The Broken Girls, which was the very first Two Girls, One Ghost book club book. Uh And just the description of the ghost there that would just float. Mm -hmm. Pretty creepy. I can't believe the friend is so sensitive, like is able to see all of these spirits, is able to feel hands come out of the ground and grab their leg. Just this seems just like the most scarring experience you could ever have. I know. It's so sad. Yeah. It's just so sad that like if it's true that these innocent souls are trapped under the ground still, you know? Yeah. I almost wonder if because maybe the friend was so sensitive if it actually opened something up, like if if maybe someone who was less open had just walked through the land, they wouldn't have noticed anything at all. But maybe because this one person right. was more sensitive, it just sort of everyone was like, all right, let's play out this play that we have. Show this person mm-hmm. what this land has gone through. Right, right. Makes oh. me curious. Wow. Well, that was a very spooky two and a half year anniversary episode. If you guys have any ghost stories at all, please email them to us at twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. We love every single story, all of them. Send us anything. We will see you on the other side. Very spooky.